1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It's a Wednesday. It's February 21st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we're doing today, Thursday, and Friday this week. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll take your phone calls today around 11:30 and 12:15. But first, let's set the scene here with today's poll questions. Heavy college hoops poll questions led by Bob Sports Zone conversation with Justin Williams from The Athletic. If you missed that great conversation, you can always podcast over at kdos1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. But here's the kdos1060.com poll question. Which team has the best chance of winning the 2024 NCAA tournament if UConn does not repeat? Houston's lead continues at 63% of the vote. U of A now at 25% and Purdue trailing at 13% of the vote. Not a lot of of scientific uh, research involved here. I just took the other three seeds from the last Saturday's early uh, NCAA tournament committee top 16 reveal that they had on CBS, so I just took the other three top seeds and slammed them into the poll question. And that is a question that we'll officially answer today around 12.30. Tossing it on over to our ex-poll question at KDOS AM 1060, which has been college basketball's most disappointing team, the options being Gonzaga, Miami, or Michigan State. Gonzaga remains out in front at 54.5% of the vote, Michigan State trailing at 45.5%, leaving Miami with 0% of the vote. Once again, uh, not exactly a big-time, you know, scientific, uh, you know, subjective type of thing. I just looked at the preseason top 25, took it. Uh, those three teams were all in the top 12, as was Florida Atlantic, but I did not include Florida Atlantic in this poll question. I could have. They're not even going to win their conference, it appears, uh, which is not good because that conference is not good. Uh, but Florida Atlantic, after some good early wins during the uh you know, non-conference portion, including one against their, the U of A. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're not good either. But, you know, those three teams, Gonzaga, obviously they have one quad one win this season. That was at Kentucky a couple of Saturdays ago. Miami has just been a mess. And then Michigan State, uh, a disappointment, and they lost at home last night to Iowa. Yeah, not great. Not great. Uh, That is a question that we will officially answer today around 1230. Plenty of time for you to get involved today. 1130 and 1215 for you. 602-260-1060 is the number. 
Uh, before we get into an array of different topics today, uh, we were slated to do this on Friday, but unfortunately there were some technical difficulties, so no show on Friday. Then we were scheduled off on Monday, so here we are. I wanted to make sure that uh, everyone was up to date with how successful Friday spread was this college and football season, NFL season as well, remembering that you all went 16-6 and with your plays, and uh, we certainly congratulate all of you with how wonderful this year was. So what I'm doing is I'm actually going to round up the total and then making a donation to Ability360. Ability360 continues a 40-year tradition of offering and promoting programs to empower people with all disabilities to take personal responsibility so that they may achieve or continue independent lifestyles within the community. Ability360 offers a lot of programs, but sports and fitness is a huge one. They have one of only a handful of centers in the entire country, which specifically are designed for individuals with disabilities. The center provides health, fitness, and recreation programs, and it serves as a venue for local, national, and international adaptive sporting events. So it's a pretty unique place. So that's where all of your hard-earned winnings are going uh, this season to Ability360. So once again, congratulations to all the winners for our wonderful 16-6 and Friday spread uh, season this year. When it comes to moving on for today's program here, let's start with the NBA. Uh, the NBA will return to action tomorrow for the stretch run following the All-Star break. That includes the Suns getting things going at the Mavericks tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. on TNT. Some other Suns news, though, they officially made it official by signing forward Thaddeus Young. He is in his 17th season in the NBA. He's 35 years old. It was just 23 games for him with the Raptors this season as he was uh, kind of put to the bench, saving him, then traded him five points. Um, on an average, 62.1% from the floor, 3.3 rebounds, and 2.2 assists. But he's third in active games in his career behind LeBron James and Chris Paul with 1,162 career games. He has 1,607 career steals, and he has 2,279 career offensive rebounds. Yeah, he's been mentioned in uh, Suns trade rumors forever. Uh, I'm talking like... I'm going to even say even the Steve Nash era, maybe. Uh, and I suggested that they go get him many times. I have no idea. I haven't watched any of him this year. Uh, when I watched Toronto play, he didn't play. Uh, so, you know, I don't I think it'd be a bonus if he provided anything for the Suns this season. Uh, James Jones's press release quote here, Thad is a highly respected veteran player who makes us a better team in our pursuit of being and winning an NBA championship. Thad is extremely intelligent and plays with competitive intensity. His size and defensive abilities add versatility to our roster. So this is obviously something that they were able to do uh, through the buyout market uh, after they had made the trade. They already have Royce O'Neal hoping to help improve the defensive uh, defensive metrics and defensive outcome for the Suns. I thought it was interesting, though, Zach Harper of The Athletic put together his NBA power rankings post-trade deadline and uh, going through the various different tiers that he has about the moves that were made or weren't made for the trade deadline and how it impacts teams. His power rankings are broken down into categories. One 
incomprehensibly bad. <laughs> Two, not tanking, but maybe someday. Three, looking to make the play-in. Four, play-in tournament teams are better. Five, playoff teams. Six, on the brink of contention. And seven, contenders. For our intensive purposes, we'll just look at contenders and on the brink of contention. So tier number one for him is the contenders. And number one team for him is the Celtics. Uh, did the trade deadline serve them well? His response, absolutely. They brought in Xavier Tillman and Jaden Springer. Boston's top talent is as good as any team, but they lack some depth. So Xavier Tillman and Springer can certainly help in that area. Last week, they were ranked number two in these power rankings, now moving up to number one post-trade deadline moves. Their offensive rating, 120.3, which is second in the league, and their defensive rating is 110.8, which is third in the league. They did exactly what we kind of figured they were going to do. Um, you know, obviously their first six or seven guys are really good. And we thought that they could use some size in the middle as far as a backup guy. And Tillman fills that bowl, uh, that bill, I should say. Uh, and, uh, so, yeah, they did, they did you know, what I think pretty much everybody expected them to do or try to do. And they, they got better in those areas. And, and they weren't going to get any better with the first six or seven guys, uh, no matter what they did, unless they traded one of those guys. And they're certainly not going to do that. Uh, number two on this list here in the power rankings, we're still in the contenders tier one category is the Timberwolves. The offensive struggles when Mike Conley or Anthony Edwards aren't on the floor. So getting Monte Morris certainly will help keep the offensive flow and limit some turnovers, barring that Morris can uh, stay and get healthy. Last week, though, they were ranked number six. So their offensive rating is 114.9, which is tied for 17th in the league. Their defensive rating, though, is 108.5, which is first yeah once again kind of echoes what we thought after the trade deadline when they got Morris who we've always liked as a college player at Iowa State uh had some good time with the Nuggets before he moved on from there uh he's exactly what they needed so totally agree with this too Number three on this list is the Los Angeles Clippers. The trade deadline did not really serve them very well, but they made most of their moves earlier on in the season for getting James Harden. And he points out here that maybe that actually helps them figuring out how to gel, move the pieces around, move the players around, and figure out how they're going to execute on the court. So having more time maybe served them better here in this particular scenario here. Uh, last week, they were ranked number one. Offensive rating though 119.6 which is third in the league defensive rating 114.2 which is 13th in the league yeah i think they're kind of what we thought they were um you know actually you know last year before you know leonard got hurt in the second game of the playoffs against the suns uh the, the clippers had the best chance of coming out of the west including the nuggets at that point and as soon as leonard went down obviously the Suns, uh, you know, they they had no problem eliminating the Clippers, and uh, but uh, I think the Clippers have a lot of really good players, and now uh, that hasn't changed. They also have a really good coach in Tyron Lue. You know, Leonard for the most part has been healthy this year. Paul George, to some extent, has been healthier this year. Uh, needless to say, if either of those guys are not healthy at some point in the playoffs, they're going to go down like they did last year. Number four on this list is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver didn't do anything to impact their roster construction either at the trade deadline. However, pointing out that Christian Braun showed what he could 
and is capable of doing last postseason. Uh, so they're pretty solid there, obviously, with their starting five group. They greatly believe in them. You have Nikola Jokic. That certainly helps. Last week, they were also ranked number four. Their offensive rating is 117.5, tied for 11th. Defensive rating 114, also 11th in the NBA. Seems as if the people that watch the NBA on a daily basis, of which I'm not one, during the regular season, they all seem, or most of them seem to believe that the Nuggets are just kind of coasting through the regular season and waiting for the postseason to begin. Number five on this list is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Remember, we're still in Tier 1, which is the contenders. Uh, They traded for Gordon Hayward, and he may not be the player that he was, but certainly adding some veteran depth could be huge for this young team. They also picked up Bismarck Biombo. Yeah, Biombo is now with the Thunder. Uh, He won't obviously play heavy minutes at center, but they needed someone big to go up against Jokic. We obviously saw Biombo try to go up against Jokic last Last postseason last week they were ranked number three offensive rating for them is 119.1 fifth in the league defensive rating 112 also fifth in the league i'm actually surprised they're that high on defense um yeah one the, the other thing we talked about before the deadline is that they had to go out and get some veteran players and uh they they certainly got two guys with experience yeah i remember watching the draft the uh excuse me the trade coverage on espn and they were they were you know falling over each other with just you know love and respect for Hayward, who at one point was a really good player. He's been injured a lot. I'm not sure if he's still that now. Uh, but then when I watched NBA Network that same day, uh, the draft day, they weren't all that enthused about adding Hayward. So depends on which network you believe in, I guess. We'll take a break there, and when we return, we'll come back with Tier 2, which is the brink of contention. And you could probably guess uh, where the local team falls into this category here, but where in which they fall in, we'll figure out next on the other side of the break. As a reminder, your turn to join the program today. We'll take your calls around 1130 and 1215. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. More NBA discussion as the league returns to from the all-star break tomorrow and the suns are playing the mavericks tomorrow 5 30 p.m that's in dallas and that's on tnt so that gets uh, back underway for the stretch run starting tomorrow in the association but we'll continue this uh athletic nba power rankings post-trade deadline conversation with zach harper of the athletic and his list here in the extra point Have you downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Eleven twenty-two, right here on KDUS AM ten sixty. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we're doing today, Thursday and Friday this week. Our conversation got started because the NBA returning to action from the All Star break tomorrow. The Phoenix Suns tip it off with the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas, five thirty p.m. on TNT. That's getting started tomorrow. And Zach Harper of the Athletic inspired us here with his. Uh, NBA power rankings post-trade deadline and how it impacts the teams. Uh, He has a pretty 
Pretty interesting list of categories and tiers here. We just made it through the contenders. Now we're on our way to on the brink of contention, and that's tier number two. We'll start here with number six, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they didn't really do anything at the deadline. I haven't seen anything else in the buyout market yet either. But obviously, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, uh, they're working their way back and getting healthy. So that certainly is going to help this Cleveland Cavaliers team. Last week, they were ranked number five. Their offensive rating, 116.2. They're ranked 15th in the league. Defensive rating, 110.3. They're ranked second in the league. I would be lying to you if I could uh, get, get into detail about the Cavaliers. I know that they've won a ton of games. They've won a lot of – I think they have the best record in the NBA since Christmas. They're close to it. If they're not now, they were as of like 10 days ago. I don't think they've lost in a you know, whole bunch of games since then. Uh, so they're good. Uh, I liked a lot of – you mentioned Garland and Mobley. I love those, both those guys in college and – you know, they have you know, had some injury issues in the NBA, and actually Garland did when he was at Vanderbilt. Uh, so maybe that's uh, something long-term that uh, hopefully not, but, yeah, he's got a history now of college and pro injuries. So hopefully he can get healthy and play. And uh, I've watched the Cavaliers play for maybe five minutes this season, so I'm the wrong guy to talk about. I'm the wrong guy to ask about the Cavaliers. Number seven on this list is the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, small upgrade for the Bucks with bringing in Patrick Beverly. Uh, they shipped out campaign. Pat Beverly, though, he can create some perimeter pressure defensively there. He also brought in Danilo Gallinari on the buyout market. Last week, they were ranked number eight. Offensive rating, 119.5, which is uh, fourth in the league. Defensive rating, though, 115.8, which is ranked 17th in the league. And then in the last couple of days you have some uh sparring taking place if you will uh with jj reddick talking about doc rivers in the bucks yeah I, I just don't understand this uh you know i didn't understand it when they got lillard uh, and they gave up holiday to get him uh, and now everybody's surprised that they can't guard anybody um i've said this a million times and i'm going to continue to say this unless i'm proven wrong in the playoffs uh, why did anybody, any really, I never at any point this year thought the Bucks were going to win a championship. As soon as they made that trade, Lillard's a fun guy to watch. I loved him. I was way ahead of the Lillard meter as anybody was because I got a chance to watch him uh, several games when he played at Weaver State. And I thought this guy's going to you know, transfer really well to the NBA. But, you know, he doesn't guard anybody. Uh, and they went from one of the best defenders in the league in the perimeter to maybe the worst. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at all this discussion about why people were surprised the Bucks aren't that good. And they're not, they should not even be in this category. Number eight on this list is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, despite having really nothing to trade, they still found a way to bring in uh, Royce O'Neal. They were able to offload players with their contracts as well. Uh, we just discussed as, as, as earlier in the program that they made it official, bringing in Thaddeus Young uh, in the buyout market here. Uh, so they have uh, a couple of things that they tried to do to improve defense, especially there with the trade for Royce O'Neal. Uh, then you have last week being ranked number 10. Offensive rating here is 118, which is seventh in the league. Defensive rating is 114.8, which is tied for 14th. 
I'm actually surprised they're that high on defense. They're the worst team in the league in the fourth quarter uh, in almost every category you come up with, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I'm a big fan of O'Neal. I think that, that he will definitely help. I'm, you know, we really have no idea how this is going to work rotation-wise because you know, he's basically played a half a game with Beal uh, before Beal went down with the hamstring injury uh, last week um, you know, before the All-Star break got going. Uh, and uh, once again, uh, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I would be really, really surprised if Young was a contributor at all once we got to the postseason. Number nine on this list is the Pelicans. They also didn't do much other than moving on from Kira Lewis Jr. Uh, at the trade deadline here. Health, though, is probably the main concern for the Pelicans mm-hmm. at any moment. Uh, it seems like Zion could have health concerns and be unavailable to play. Uh, last week, they were also ranked number nine. Offensive rating 116.9, which is good for tied for 13th in the league. Defensive rating 112.5, which is tied for sixth in the league yeah actually when healthy i think this team is really good uh, unfortunately it has not been frequently they've had a lot of guys that miss games this year uh so let's see if they're healthy once the playoffs start but uh uh to me you know, i i think if, if all every if everybody's healthy you know it's never going to happen but if everybody's healthy once once the playoffs start i would have the pelicans ahead of the suns for sure uh, ahead of the Bucks in this list, and you know, maybe I don't know who's next in this list, but uh, I actually, if healthy, I would not want to play these guys in the postseason. Number 10 on this list and the final team in the tier of brink of contention is the Knicks. OG Ananubi, uh, he can certainly be a great player on both ends of the floor. He has to get healthy. Uh, They brought in Alec Burks as well as Bojan Bogdanovic. They're great additions. Last week they were ranked number seven. Their offensive rating is 117.9, which is good for tied for eighth in the league. Defensive rating 112.7, which is also eighth in the league. As always, the biggest question with the you know, Thibodeau team is, is he going to wear them out before the playoffs start? He tends to play his starters a million minutes a game, and that's happened again this year, and they've had some injuries. I don't know if that's a contributing factor or a coincidence, uh, but you know, certainly when healthy uh, and uh, when not playing 100 minutes per game, uh, this would be a team, if I'm in the Eastern Conference, uh, I would not want to be playing these dudes in the postseason, assuming everything is going okay. But, you know, they've had at least three or four of their top players missed more than just a few games this season. Uh, as we mentioned, the NBA is returning to action tomorrow. On the other side of the break, we're going to stick with hoops, but we're going to go to college basketball. There was some action taking place last night. Maybe a little bit surprising how that all unfolded. We'll dive into that. And, of course, we'll also touch on ESPN's Bracketology by Bo- Joe Lenardi. Uh, he was updated yesterday, so we'll see how that all unfolds as for the uh, world of college basketball. If you'd like to chime in, you certainly can. 602-260-1060. We'll get to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. College Hoops conversation is coming up next.
Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. On this Wednesday, February 21st, Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Let's continue on the hardwood, but transfer over to college hoops and uh, some college hoops from last night. It was number 15, Creighton, taking on number one, UConn, and it was a massive victory for the Blue Jays, 85-66 to over UConn. Just some numbers here. This was Creighton's first win over a number one team ever. They were previously 0-6 in attempts. This also ended a 14-game winning streak for the Huskies. And UConn, though, this is also maybe a bit surprising, has lost 21 straight road games against ranked teams. The only matters, uh, numbers that matter from this game last night to me is 42 to 9. That is the three-point scoring in this game. 14 threes to three. Yeah, the, the Blue Jays started off uh, 8 of 15 from 3 in just the first half, and it continued on fire in the second half as well. Question for you about Creighton here. Is this signs that the Blue Jays are a team to watch out for in March Madness, or was this just a team that got up for welcoming in the number one team to their house? Uh, can I go in between a little bit? Uh, I think they're a team that plays really well at home. And one of many college basketball teams this season, especially, that usually don't play nearly as well on the road. And uh, if they play again in the uh, Big East tournament, um, you know, UConn's going to be uh, probably like a 7 to 10 point favorite. And uh, I might be laying the points if they play again. And they did this last night. You know, Shireman is actually their best, you know, their top scorer. He did almost nothing in this game last night for Creighton. So, you know, if you're looking at the. Uh, you know, how can they get better side of things for Creighton? Uh, that would be the case. Uh, also, you know, Creighton has got some horrendous numbers the last two or three years. I know they made a run in the tournament last year, got to the Elite Eight, but they've got some horrendous numbers against the better teams that they've faced the last two seasons. Um, so then you also have the UConn side of things here, uh, losing on the road here after snapping a 14-game winning streak. Just a bump in the road here for UConn or cause for concern at all? Zero cause for concern. None. Uh, they just killed Marquette on Saturday, who was a better team than, than, uh, than Creighton is. Uh, you know, the UConn has had a lot, of, a lot of guys have missed time this year. They're all healthy now. Uh, right now, uh, you know, it's hard to say this after people that watched the game last night, but trust me, right now the UConn team, as currently constructed, is better than the team that won the national championship last year. Uh, then you also had BYU beating Baylor 78-71 to and Texas Tech squeaking one out over TCU 82-81 to in what we've been discussing is uh, such a solid conference in the Big 12 in college hoops. Yeah, it's they, they should just put everybody in the conference. Put Oklahoma State in there. I mean, they're better than some of the teams that are going to make the tournament. They're like the worst team in the conference. Uh, and they're, it's a, just a brutal, you know, no matter who you play, 
you can just pick pretty much any game in the Big 12, and it's going to be the best game you watch that night. And the best game I watched last night was the BYU and Baylor game. BYU, tremendous at home all season long. They made uh, double-digit threes in this game. They make double-digit threes in almost every game. Uh, but, you know, they've got a few other things going for them other than just jacking up threes all the time. You know, they have five offensive guys that really know how to play. They play, uh, you know, together because they have like 12 guys that were all on their team last year, uh, and they all get to play uh, for the most part. They really rebound well, uh, as you would expect. A team that you know, makes a lot of threes, they're really good in transition in threes. They're, they're a very difficult team to play, but the NCAA tournament, last I heard, is not in Provo. Uh, no, no, it's not. Uh, so let's move into the NCAA tournament with the ESPN's Bracketology by Joe Lenardi, which was updated yesterday. The top overall seed that he had yesterday was UConn. Now with yesterday's loss, uh, maybe they don't remain there, but... Uh, they are still a one seed in the East. Purdue, number one in the Midwest. Arizona, number one in the West. And Houston, number one seed in the South. These are all pretty much slam dunks at this point. Uh, so, you know, those are the, you know, the teams that you know, we expected on Saturday uh, from the, quote, early reveal where they officially call that show on Saturday, the early seedings from the NCAA Tournament Committee, subject to change, of course. Uh, so, yeah, those are the four teams. I would assume that uh, if they were doing it again today, that, uh, you know, that you know, basically you know, Purdue would be the, you know, they were the number one overall seed on Saturday uh, before Connecticut went on and won by 100 against Marquette. Uh, but I would assume that Purdue, considering their quad one and quad two victories, of which they have more of than Connecticut does, partly because they played more teams from those quads, than Connecticut has, I would assume that Purdue would right now, again, after last night, be the overall number one seed. Uh, then you also have here from Lenardi the last four with buys, New Mexico, Nebraska, Texas A&M, and Nevada. These next things that we're going to talk about have just been changing like rapid fire. Well, that's going to happen every, literally every day until the tournament starts. Till the uh, till the turn actually the you know, the the this, the field of sixty eight is revealed, and you know a couple of things I've talked about, um, and I probably have said this before, uh, but these bottom eight teams that we see coming and going in and out, last four in, last four out, whatever. I don't know if any of these teams are really any good, quite frankly. Uh, you mentioned New Mexico. They've lost two home games lately, which is really surprising. And I think they're going to lose at home tonight against Colorado State. Uh, you know, in fact, you know, I'm, I mentioned during the sports zone, uh, the point spread in this, chain, this game went from five and a half to seven. So I'm wondering if Colorado State has some injuries. But Colorado State has a really good team. They've got a really experienced team. They've got good guards. Colorado State is a team I'm looking to bet on in the NCAA tournament. I'm not looking to bet on New Mexico in the NCAA tournament or Nevada. Even though I should say one thing about Nevada, they also have two really good guards, senior guards that have been around forever. So maybe I would consider them that New Mexico, I'm really concerned. They're not playing their best basketball or anything close to it right now. They were much better a month ago than they are now. I don't have a good reason why. 
Then you have the last four in being Butler, Gonzaga, Seton Hall, and Ole Miss. Look at Gonzaga at this point sneaking in possibly. Well, they have one quad one win. They better not slip up again. Yeah, Seton Hall um, were, I thought, another team that played its best basketball in, in January. Definitely does not done that in February. I don't care about the St. John's game the other day. I mean, you know, that was St. John's isn't any good. As Patino told the world after that game that they're not any good, uh, which is interesting because he ran off some guys that are actually you know, really good players on other teams, uh, including Butler, by the way. You just mentioned them in that group. Uh, their best player came from St. John's, and Patino ran him off. Uh, then you have the first four out being Providence, Utah, Cincinnati, and Wake Forest. Uh, Utah and Wake Forest, two teams that seem like they've been bouncing back and forth here uh, about being last four in, first four out for a while. Well, Utah finally got its first Pac-12 road win on Saturday, Saturday or Sunday, one of those days, over the weekend against UCLA. Uh, they won in Poly Pavilion. So that was their first conference road game actually since January of 2023. Uh, so that's why that uh, I, I personally find them very difficult to uh, you know take seriously, quite frankly. Uh, they had not lost a home game uh, until last week when they obviously lost in triple overtime to the U of A but they've been pathetic on the road. They had some good games. Uh, they had some good wins in non, against non-conference teams uh, in the month of, once again, November slash December, but really none since. And the thing that's hurting Utah is that they play in the Pac-12, and how many quality wins are you going to be able to pick up between now and the tournament and you know, impress the committee? Yeah, absolutely, uh, because then here the next four out are Colorado, Villanova, St. John's, and Pittsburgh, so yet another Pac-12 school. Yeah, it, it's a, you know, unfortunately, this just kind of shows how bad the pool is, that these four teams are actually in this group to consider to be in the running still. There are many years, most years I would even say, that these teams aren't even good enough to be in the running most years. Big uh, By conference here, according to Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology, the Big 12 have nine teams getting in, the SEC nine teams, the Big 10 sitting at six, the Mountain West sitting at six, the Big East at five, the ACC at four, and now the Pac-12 down to two. Uh, what have you made of the Mountain West conference so far? I really like them. Uh, I like. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know. In fact, I don't think I had a discussion. Uh, I wouldn't say an argument, but it was a you know a, a heated discussion with one of my college basketball friends about the the Mountain West on Saturday. In uh, uh, you know, I think they've got those teams deserve to be in, but I don't think any of these. I know San Diego State got to the national championship game last year, etc. They're not nearly as good as they were a year ago. And I don't think any of these teams in the Mountain West Conference are really going to make a run to pass the Sweet 16. Uh, well, I should rephrase that. Certainly not past the Elite Eight. I'd be surprised if they made any of them made the Elite Eight. Uh, but you know, Colorado State's the one that actually has my attention the most because they have the I think they have the, the most uh, the deepest team, the most experienced team in uh I'm, I'm, I think they're good. 
but you know, I'm, I just don't think I think watching the conference games, it's not like you know the Big Twelve where you just pick any game and they're going to be great. Most of them are pretty good though. Uh, that you know, I, I enjoy watching their conference play. Probably second most to the Big Twelve, quite frankly, because I think the SEC and the Big Ten are immensely overrated. Uh, but you know, the Mountain West, they're on. Every network, it seems like they're everywhere. At some point, every it seems like there's one game every night. They've done a good job of staggering their schedule too, because they get all kinds of attention because they play a bunch of games on a Tuesday. Uh, they've obviously played some games on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, so they've and they've got a CBS contract, so they usually have a game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so they've done a tremendous job of marketing their conference, and their teams are really fun to watch. I just don't know how many of them, if any of them, are going to go really deep into the tournament. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about U of A men's basketball. They walloped ASU over the weekend, 105-60. to 60. Um, They'll get back on the court hosting WSU on Thursday. WSU has climbed to number 21 in the rankings here. Do we believe a little bit more in U of A basketball, that they're kind of finding their stride and hitting things on all cylinders now, or just catching a team in ASU that's really floundering right now? Well, I don't blame it the U of A because they beat ASU. I mean, ASU is not any good. And uh, that's something we've said for months, literally since the season started. You know, they had the bogus 4-0 start to, uh, to begin the conference season. I believe they've lost uh, 8 out of 10 conference games since then. Yeah, I don't care that they, you know, they, they won the game at Colorado, which was certainly uh, got your attention, at least got my attention. Uh, but, you know, they just – they're not good. So I don't care if they beat them by 100. They damn near beat them by 100. Uh, they got over 100. The uh, you know, widest margin of victory for the U of A ever against ASU in basketball. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, U of A, the, the, when they swept the mountain trip, that got my attention. Uh, tomorrow night they're going to be playing Washington State, who they lost to at Pullman earlier this season. And uh, that game's for first place in the conference. If Washington State wins, they're in first place in the Pac-12. The other thing about that game is that uh, the U of A is going to be, if you go by the Kempom rankings, they're going to be like a 15-point favorite in that game tomorrow night in Tucson. Um, And then also you have the Arizona officially signing Tommy Lloyd to a five-year contract extension that will keep him in Tucson at least until 2029. Uh, That was announced earlier this week. He's set to make $5.25 million in year one, escalating to $6 million in year five. Are you good with the U of A providing that type of commitment there to Tommy Lloyd? Well, you know, I'm assuming they can, you know, the donors have got to be paying some of this salary because the school has no money. Uh, So I I was a little stunned at how high the salary was. I also think his agent deserves uh, all kinds. I don't know who his agent is. That's my bad. Maybe I should know that, but I don't. Uh, Deserves a big pat on the back uh, to get this kind of contract before they enter the Big 12 next year because they're not going to, you know, lose two or three conference games next year in that conference. On the other side of the break, we'll try to figure out what to do on the PGA Tour, the Mexico Open at Vedanta. Um, It's it's definitely not a star-studded field. You have defending champion Tony Finau in the field. After that, you don't really have uh, very many top – I don't even think you have any top 20 players in the world in the event, so it's pretty wide open. 
Does that mean that things continue as they've been going with these long shots? 75 to 1 and over have been winning so far on the PGA Tour. We'll try to dissect this golf course, see what types of players might uh, have the most success on this type of golf course. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. On this Wednesday, February 21st, Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So the PGA Tour uh, last week they were at Riviera. He had some wild series of events. Tiger Woods was playing, but he ended up withdrawing due to an illness. You had Jordan Spieth being disqualified for signing an incorrect scorecard. You had Hideki Matsuyama uh, setting a course record to come from behind to win. You had uh, the drought continuing for Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley as they were grouped in the final pairing together. Uh, so some wild things. Plus, you also had Hideki. Uh, he was, I believe, like 100-1 to 1 to win that event. So again, Again, the theme is continuing on the PGA Tour. The long shots are winning. For us, Adam Scott, he snuck in there in the top 20, finished tied for 19th. Adam Svensson, he had a great week. We took him top 20 in addition to a little sprinkle on him uh, to win the golf tournament. He didn't win, obviously, but he cashed in the top 20. So that was good for us. When it comes to this week, the Mexico Open at Vedanta, it's par 71. 7,456 yards. A couple of historical items here. This has been Mexico's national championship since 1944, but it's only been a PGA Tour event since 2022. And in those first two PGA Tour contests, you had heavy favorites winning in John Rahm and Tony Finau winning the first two times. So will we have heavy favorites winning or will we have long shots winning this week? One thing we know, or a couple of things we know about this golf course, there's only two years of data, so trying to figure it all out uh, when it comes to it being a PGA Tour event. It's a behemoth of a golf course in terms of you need to be a, a long ball striker. You need to have uh, great control of your long irons, efficiency in that long iron bucket category. So uh, approach play, I think huge emphasis in the buckets of 175 to 200 yards and over 200 yards are going to obviously cater to those long hitters. Tony Finau, he is the defending champion. His odds plus 800. Then Nikolai Hoygaard, he uh, he's going to win at some point on the PGA Tour. He is going to win. He's at fourteen to one. He's won around. He's won around the world. Has yet to win on the PGA Tour. It's coming. Uh, but I don't know if you want him at fourteen to one. Steven Yeager sitting at twenty two to one. Keith Mitchell twenty two to one. And Thomas Dietrich at twenty five to one. So here's where we're going. Uh, Davis Thompson at thirty three to one. He ranks hundred and or er, in in the one hundred and seventy five to two hundred 
bucket category, he ranks 30th. In the 200 to 225-yard bucket category, he ranks 8th. So hopefully trending well here. That long iron play is going to serve us well. Brandon Wu, this is a play here based upon how he's had success in the last two years. Uh, the, the game is kind of not maybe exactly where we would love for his game to be, but sometimes you get to a golf course and you just love it and it all comes together for you. And some of those things that you've been uh, struggling with, they go away because something just sets up really nicely for you. He finished third here in 2023 and a tie for second in 2022. So maybe we can get a win with him at 50 to one. We're also going Vincent Norman top 20 at plus 260. He's seventh in driving distance. He's 18th in that bucket of uh, 175 to 200 and he finished tied for 18th here last year and then joseph bramlett for a top 40 at plus 110 he's 53rd in driving distance and he's 32nd in the bucket of 200 to 225 and he finished tied for 10th here in 2023 so hoping to have some good course history feed into this event there's obviously a ton of newcomers onto the pga tour and uh, tony finau being the defending champion at plus 800 odds so we'll see how this all unfolds as the week goes on when we get back though on the other side of the break to start off our number two of the extra point uh the scores simon sarki gottlieb and tom reminiski came together with a one must watch player for each national league team this spring so we'll dive into those players and get a little bit of spring training action and juices flowing for us on this wednesday february 21st hour number two of the extra point is coming up next